Should be in Matthew chapter 9. And uh, I, I love hearing the testimonies of, of people that have met the living Lord and who has, has radically changed their lives. Don't, I, don't you, I mean, don't you love that? That's, that's awesome. And uh, as we have been meandering through Matthew, uh, we, we come to a section this morning in Matthew 9 verses, there's five verses in the middle of this chapter, and that's verse 9 through 13. And, uh, and, and several, many, many days ago now, uh, I was reading through this, obviously, the exciting thing of, uh, you know, the, the miracles that Jesus has been performing, the, uh, the, the just the gatherings and what happened with the man with, that was demonized and the pigs, and now with the man that was, that was sick of the palsy, who's, who's healed, takes up his cot and walks. And, uh, and right, in the, right, right after that, right in the middle of this, we've got these five verses, and uh, I, I was reading it and I thought, well, I'll mention, we'll just mention what happens there and goes on, but, but I was kind of intrigued by verse 12 and 13. Uh, that's from Hosea, it's kind of a, 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 from Hosea 6, Jesus is saying, you need to learn what this means. And that kind of intrigued me, so I'm thinking about that. But then the more that I began thinking about verse 12 and 13, the more I, I realized that this is Matthew's testimony. Matthew, uh, these, verses 9 and 10 and 11, 12, 13 are really Matthew's testimony. And the more I began thinking about that, the more it, it just, it intrigued me. And I couldn't get away from it. So, so you're going to have to go there with me again this morning. Um, and unlike John, you know, the book of John is written by the, one of the younger disciples, John. And, um, and John had this, had this habit more than once in the writings. He would say, uh, he would refer to himself as the disciple that Jesus loved, right? And that's kind of like saying, I'm mama's favorite, okay? Uh, mom, mom and dad had several kids and I was their favorite. You can ask Don McAllister about that and how that goes off. But that's kind of the way John, and, and I'm thinking, man, if John is going to be sharing his testimony, it's probably, he's probably going to be do that. But Matthew doesn't. So Matthew kind of has this low profile, but it's a powerful testimony. And, and to fill in what Matthew leaves out about the day that, that Christ called him, you can, look in, you can look in Luke and in Mark, and they, they, they have a lot more to add to this. But think with me just a little bit. Matthew... Uh, obviously, uh, born in a nice Jewish family, and uh, he's writing the, the 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 letter or the book that has his name here. He's writing it now several years later than what we're going to be looking at this morning, and he's and he's he's focusing on the Jews. So he is Jewish. He is born Jewish. He is raised Jewish. He is raised up in, in understanding and going to the temple, the synagogue, and the Jewish customs. But somewhere along the line, as Matthew grew older, he looked around most likely and he thought, you know what? Uh, there's opportunities, but the opportunities are passing me by. But there is an opportunity here that, that uh, it's going to cost me a lot. It's going to cost me a lot as far as my religion and my respect in the community. But I'm going to go for it. Because if you're going to get ahead in this life, you're going to, have to, you know, you're going to have to take care and look out for number one. So Matthew bids on a contract with the Roman government to become a, a tax collector in that area. And he, and he receives a contract. And so forgetting the Jewish religion uh, that, uh, to the point that it is not going to put him in, in high esteem with the religious leaders, it's not going to put him in high esteem or even in good stead with his friends in the Jewish community. But Matthew 
accepts this contract. And the way it kind of worked is the Roman government would levy a tax. A certain amount of money had to be collected from a certain area among the people there. And so the tax collector was responsible for that amount. But anything he raised above what Rome required, that was his profit. And so the publicans, as they were referred to, or the tax collectors, grew quite wealthy. We have two, at least two examples. One of them was uh, uh, Nicodemus. And we see how Nicodemus is a little feller, you know, that climbed the tree and Jesus goes home with him. And Nicodemus had, he, he gives us insight because he had... Uh, Zacchaeus, not Nicodemus. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus had gotten rich at the expense of the people. And so under conviction, Zacchaeus said, well, Lord, I'll I'm going to restore back that which I took by, you know, the rough way or by, by hook or by crook. Well, Matthew accepts that. And Matthew now is on his way to becoming wealthy. He's on his way to getting his bite or his, his, his piece of the, of the pie of the life. And forget the religion, forget friends. He don't need them. He'll make new friends anyway. So that's where Matthew is. And he's, he's, he's busy in his career. But there is a, there's kind of a popular movement that begins taking place. And there is, a, there is this, this, there's word about a young Jewish rabbi, a young Jewish teacher that now is, is going about, and he is, the, the, the word is that miracles are following him. The word is that, and, and that he is teaching like no other rabbi has taught. <clears throat> and I'm convinced that Matthew, somewhere along the line, hears and goes and listens, and he begins, he, he kind of is being very drawn to this man. The fact that he, that he listens to him we know from, from uh, Matthew recording in, Matthew, in chapters 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount in, in quite detail. And in there, it must, have been, it must have been a little bit confrontational for this young carpenter-turned-rabbi as he preaches, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the merciful. And as he's talking about this, for this, young, for this other young Jewish man who is anything but merciful now. I mean, you just don't be a tax collector and be merciful at the same time, okay? Just didn't go together. Tax collectors wasn't known for their, for, their, for you know, you, you, if I can't pay the taxes, I just apply for a deadline. It wasn't that kind of thing. Uh, someone someone was, uh, told me a joke this week about it, said, said, did you hear about the IRS agent that called the church and went to see the pastor? And he went to see the pastor and he said, uh, pastor, he said, we're just here to investigate so-and-so. Jones said, uh, we're, we're looking at his taxes and he says that he, he contributed $50,000 to your church last year. Is that true? And the pastor looks at him and says, I'm sure it will be. <laughs> <coughs> this, <laughs> so so this, this, this Matthew here was known, I'm sure he, there was times he pushed his weight around, there's times he pushed, pushed his authority around, he collected the taxes. And if he had, if, 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 if it cost people their money, if it cost people their livelihood, that was just, that was their tough luck. He was not known as a merciful man. But he was getting his, he was making his living, he was making his money. But he had heard this strange teaching. And in Matthew chapter 9, let's, let's read it. Uh, and we'll, we'll kind of work our way through it. 
Matthew 9, 9. And as Jesus, remember, he's just now, the, the, the account here is just giving the story of, of, uh, of healing the man of palsy, probably in Capernaum in that area. And verse 9 says, and Jesus passed forth from there, and he, he, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom. Now, this was Matthew where Matthew worked. He was, he was sitting where he was collecting the tribute, the taxes. Jesus goes to where Matthew is working. And he says to Matthew, he, he basically, he says, you want to change careers? Uh, and, 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 and remember, Matthew has forsaken and given up everything to get where he could get because he was going to get that which was coming to him. He was, you know, forget it. I don't need people. I, you know, it was all about him. But Jesus sees him and he says to him, follow me. And what's amazing is he says, and he arose and followed him. Matthew, if Matthew was telling a story, he said, I was sitting there and he said, I was, I was, I was, rake, I was, I was collecting the money and every, every time I collected so much money, I put some over in my stack, the rest was in the Romans. Some was in mine and I was doing quite well. But then this young rabbi came and asked me to follow him. Now, there's something you need to know about a rabbi. A rabbi was a pretty, it was a pretty uh, esteemed and honorable position, honorable position among Jewish families. Matter of fact, any mother or any father would have probably been proud to say, hey, my, son's, my, my son is going to be a rabbi. He's studying to be a rabbi. You know? I mean, if you, that's one of the things, if you, if you go to the beauty shop or if you go to the grocery store, you kind of you drop that information. Hey, I didn't know if you know about our, our boy's studying to be a rabbi. And the way that you, you become a rabbi or became a rabbi is you did that by following another rabbi. You, you, you apprenticed under them. And in each rabbi uh, had their way of, of, uh, of teaching. It was kind of a unique teaching. And uh, it was known as their yoke. That was the method that they taught by. Now, it was interesting to me when I, when I read this. And of course, you read things in commentaries and you think, yeah, I don't know if that's true or not. So, so follow up on that and, and did some research. And it was true. And so as, as, I, as I think of that, it would make a lot of sense to me later on in Matthew chapter 11, I think it's verse 29 and 30, where, where, where Jesus says this. He's talking about his yoke. Wait till you get there. In Matthew 29, 11, a, a different, a, a little bit, well, he says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. And this is, this is his method. He said, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burdens are light. And, 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 and I'm sure that Matthew has not only heard him teach, he may have heard that someone has said that, that, that this, this teacher's method is one of, of, of light burdens, it's one of, of, of peaceful heart. It's, one, it's, really, it's really a peace. This guy is talking about a, a peace, a peaceful way of living. There was something, I believe, that was so intriguing to Matthew, the Levite, the, the publican here. Uh, not Levite, but Matthew. One place he's called Levi. But that, that when Jesus says, follow me, Matthew got up and followed him. It was a call to become a follower of Christ. 
And that day would change Matthew's life forever. There's something about an encounter with the living Lord Jesus Christ that changes us, that changes everything about us. Now, look what happened. Luke tells us, verse 10 says, it came to pass as Jesus sat at meat in the house. Mark and Luke tell us that it was Matthew's house. So I'm convinced that what happened is that when Matthew got up to follow Jesus, he said, hey, come, you got to come to my house. I'm going to throw a party. I mean, this is, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me. You've given me an invitation now to, to learn of you and to follow you. And Luke says, Luke, Luke has this way of, uh, I guess he, he just gets excited. Luke says it was a great feast. Okay. So Matthew, he shells out the bucks. He shells out the money. You know, go, you know, go get the, the best lamb chops you can get. Get, uh, get, you know, get all the food that you can get. Get plenty of, of wine. Get plenty of stuff. We're having a party. And he invites everyone. He invites all, all his friends that are from the other side, the tracks. All his friends now, all his business associates that um, aren't the most well-respected in the community. But they're now Matthew's new circle of friends. And they're at his house. And Jesus and his disciples are invited there, and they're there with them. Well, verse 10 says, it came to pass as Jesus sat at meat in the house, behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto the disciples, why does your master eat with publicans and sinners? <coughs> Excuse me. Now, I just... I just thought here, who's got a different translation? Anybody got a New Living Translation here? What's New Living Translation? Read it in verse 11 right there, the last part. Why eat? Why does your teacher eat with such scum? <laughs> yeah. Why does your teacher eat with the scumbags? Anybody else got another translation that translates any other way? Huh? Who said that? I love it. The different, tra once the translation says with these disreputable dis sinners. Deplorables. That's what that, that's the word. That, yeah, it's exactly, buddy. That's, that's one of the words I had to add with these deplorables. These are the, don't they know that? Don't he know that? Now you got to know that the Pharisees were not sitting in the table inside. They weren't in the house. They, they wouldn't have been caught dead in there with that bunch of scum. So most likely they're standing around on the outside and what they're doing is every time they get a chance, one of Jesus' disciples comes out or, or something says, man, you're coming in, they got the best, they got the best lamb chops, you're irritation. Don't, you know, we wouldn't be caught in there. Don't y'all know what the, who these people are? Don't you know what they've done? Don't you know what they're like? And more than that, don't this young, don't this rabbi know you don't mix with people like that? His, you know what? His credibility is shot in our community. This shot in me. if that's who he's going to come and, and, and talk to, if that's who he's going to sit down and eat with, forget it, don't come to our synagogue. Wow. Wow. The reputation of Matthew, this is who he, this is who they associated him with. Matthew was part of the scum. Matthew was part of the deplorables. Matthew was part of the outcast. Matthew was a part of those that had betrayed. He was, he was now working for the oppressive 
group that, that was controlling their, their country, the Romans. He was a traitor. Forget, the, I mean, this is, this is who he was. Can you imagine Somebody, somebody, and they're having a party, and they're saying, why are they partying? Well, because Jesus has just asked him to come and be one of his followers. Oh, you got to be kidding me. If he wanted somebody to follow him, he wanted somebody to learn how to be a rabbi. If he wanted a student, why didn't he come down to the synagogue? We got a list of nice young men, and they're doing it the right way, and they're going about it the right way, and we can tell you all about how they keep all the, 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 the law to, down to the very jot and tittle. They do that. Where did he find him? Yeah, he probably found him taking somebody's money away from him. Well, yeah, kind of that's where he was. You got to be kidding me. So this is the context now. And you, and you got to remember, Matthew is writing this. Matthew's sharing his testimony. And Matthew's saying the day that he called me, we had a big feast. But there's a lot of religious people around and, and they wouldn't come in because they wouldn't get dirty they wouldn't dirty themselves with us and with me. But let me tell you what, let me tell you what, what Jesus had to say about it. Verse 12 and 13, when Jesus heard them say this, he said, it's, it's not the whole that needs the doctor, but it's the sick. It's the sick. I think about in, in, in Revelation, in Revelation, they're talking about one of the churches that he's sending the letter to. Jesus would say, you're, you're naked and blind and poor, and you don't even realize it. You don't even realize it. Now, was he talking about, was he talking about them physically? No, probably not. Probably not. He's talking about the condition of their heart. He's talking about the condition of their life. Here, I'm convinced that Matthew is willing to trade all that. He's willing to get up and walk away from all that, all the money and all the potential, probably because he's been in the tax collecting business long enough to realize by now that even the money that he's got is not buying the peace that he's looking for. And if this young rabbi whose yoke is easy and whose burdens are light and whose method is, is peace, if I can find that peace following him, this is not providing it. I'm going to give it a shot. You know, some of the, peace doesn't really have anything to do with how much money you have. It really doesn't have much to do with how much material things you possess. And it really doesn't have a lot to do with your circumstances. Jim has probably been some of the most horrendous conditions in the world. Lou and Kathy been in third world countries and it's probably been a situation where you have seen people that did not, that had lost everything materially. Jim with a lot of, in the refugee camps. Lou and Kathy and some of the others of you that have been there in, in, on the mission field. Some of the most peaceful people in the world are people that are living in some harsh conditions. Peace doesn't come from the conditions. If you're waiting until everything around you gets right, right to experience peace doesn't come with that. Some of the most peaceful people in the world are not, they're people that doesn't have much materially. If you're waiting till you get enough so you don't have to worry about the next meal or the next, you know, 
who, that's, that's really debatable, how much is enough? Because some of the most, people, most peaceful, peaceful people in the world don't have much materially at all. Peace comes from knowing the prince of peace. It comes from that encounter, that real life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ. And Matthew has left all that now to come and follow this man, this teacher, and to learn of him. And so Jesus, to those who would be critical of that, Jesus says, you know, hey, y'all don't even realize you're sick, so you wouldn't, you wouldn't take what I prescribed for you anyway. But this man realizes he's needing something. And I've come to show him and to offer him that which he needs that money can't buy. And then Jesus continues in verse 13. And he says to these religious leaders, now, again, they are teachers of the law. The Pharisees knew the law. And Jesus goes back to the book of Hosea, chapter 6, verse 6. And Jesus would say to them, you know, they would say, hey, what did Hosea mean when he said this? Hosea 6 says, for I desired mercy and not sacrifice and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. Jesus said, now go learn what that means. Go learn what that means. Couple of things. We will be judged by a standard without mercy if we don't share mercy. James chapter 2, verse 12 and 13. So speak ye and so do you as they that be, shall be judged by the law of liberty. For he shall have judgment without mercy that hath showed no mercy. And mercy rejoices against judgment. And this, this so stood out in, in Matthew's mind. I, I'm convinced that, that it was, was awesome because it would be just a, a, just a little bit later on as, he, as, he writes, as he's writing these words down that the Holy Spirit is given to record. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 7 and 8, Matthew, Matthew records it again because Jesus says it again. And he says it to the religious leaders again. This time, they're judging Jesus' disciples because they've went through the fields and they've gathered grain on the Sabbath day and they've ate the grain and the religious leader says, oh, that's working on the Sabbath. They're a bunch of, law, they're, they're a bunch of lawbreakers. They're a bunch of sinners. Why are they following you? They're a bunch of sinners. They don't even keep the law. And Jesus says, don't you know what Scripture says that God delights in mercy more than sacrifice for the Lord of the Sabbath is Lord of every day? So Matthew is throwing a big party because his life has changed. Let me tell you, I got to tell you this. Is, is, I thought it was hilarious. I read this and just died laughing. Alexander, what's his last name? Alexander Sanders. He was a, uh, he was a chief, chief uh, justice of the South Carolina appeals court. And, and the story is told, it was written when, uh, when, he was, when he was serving, and his daughter, he had a little daughter, three-year-old daughter named Zoe. Now, I thought this, this so reminds me of our four-year-old daughter, Taylor Page. I guarantee it could happen. But Alexander goes home one day from, from serving there on the, on the bench. He goes home, and when he goes in the door, here's three-year-old Zoe meet him. 
And her face is just, her face, she's tears are running down her face, snot out of her nose. And her mom and, and his wife, Zoe's mother, is exasperated. It seems that that day, Zoe's pet turtle, Fred, has died. And Zoe has been unconsolable all day. Matter of fact, the mom has tried everything. And so when the dad comes in, the mom says, it's your turn. I've tried everything I know to do. Fred's dead and Zoe's upset. <laughs> now, Alexander had been a successful uh, lawyer and a successful politician, and he knew how to, he knew that was, he felt very comfortable, but when it, come, when it came to, to comforting a, his three-year-old daughter at her dead turtle, he, he, was, he, he, was, on, he was on in strange territory, he didn't know, hardly know what to do. So um, finally, he, you know, as best he could, he said, Zoe, 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 he said, listen, he said, I am so sorry, but he said, listen, you and I will go down to the pet store, and we will get another turtle. Oh, that didn't help. You just, you know, if you're, if you're trying to comfort a three-year-old, it just don't help with getting another pet. Nobody's going to replace Fred. So her dad is, his dad is, her dad is thinking, he said, Zoe, Zoe, he said, why don't we have a funeral? We'll have a funeral for Fred. Zoe didn't know what a funeral was. So her dad, really now trying to grasp and reach for it, says, Zoe, a funeral is, is almost like a, a birthday party. We will, we'll have cake, we'll have ice cream, we'll have potato chips, and we'll invite all your friends, and they'll come over and we'll play games, all because Fred's dead. We'll have a, we'll have a funeral. <laughs> and immediately, Zoe's tears dry up. They dry up, and, and, and she, that's, that's pretty exciting. Now, that makes sense. And so, uh, she, they stopped, and her dad, and, and, and they, they're standing there saying, all because Fred is died. And they look down, and when they look down, Fred moves. <laughs> His head comes out of the shell, and Fred, Fred begins moving and crawling off. Her dad didn't know, Alexander didn't know what to do. But Zoe, her big eyes, didn't bother her a bit. Her big eyes, she looked up at her dad, and she said, let's kill him. She was ready. She was ready to party. Now, what, what I'm saying is Matthew understood the, the, the significance that this life that he had been living, this life that he, had, that he thought was going to provide everything he wanted, the happiness, the peace, the, all whatever, it was, it, was, it was just more the same. It, it wasn't doing that. It wasn't providing that. But now, now that Jesus had asked him to follow him, it was a reason to celebrate. It was a reason to party. Because now, Scripture would say it different ways. Paul would say he had been dead, now he was alive. Paul would say that now Jesus has replaced that heart that was in Matthew before, now with a heart that was tender to him. And Matthew who was a man known to go after possessions and power, now is a man of peace. Wow, that's our Jesus. And that's the difference he can make in a life that'll follow him. We're getting ready to, uh, to share in the elements of the Lord's table and communion. But if you're this, here this morning... And you've been, maybe you've been, maybe you've been trying to go after and seek after that, which the world says is going to provide you the things that you're really looking for. You know, you won't find them there. 
There may be glimpses. There may be opportunities. I'm sure there were times when Matthew had enough money to, to go out and, and spend a week or spend a few days and just do whatever he wanted to do and buy whatever he wanted to buy that he probably thought he was living it up. But he always came back to that deep nagging something that was missing inside. And maybe you're to that point. Maybe you're at the point you've tried all kinds of things. Maybe you've, maybe you've compromised more than you thought you would ever compromise morally or in other ways because hoping that that would bring you acceptance, bring you love, bring you peace only to realize it didn't. But then one day Jesus passed by where Matthew was where Matthew was and he said follow me an amazing thing he got up and followed I, I, I'm, I, I want to hear one day in eternity I want to hear from Matthew's mouth this testimony tell me about today Matthew tell me about that day that changed everything he can do it for you too it's the same Jesus let's pray Father we love you this morning we give you glory and honor and praise because you are worthy of it because you are the God who makes us a new creation. Your word says, behold, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Father, the world may look and, and have us branded as, as they had Matthew and his friends branded, as scum, as deplorables, as sinners. But you came to seek and to save that which was lost. And that's me, that's us. Father, your word says that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Your words would even go so much further and say that there's none that's righteous. No, not one. So, Father, if there are, for anyone here this morning that's never committed their life to following you, I pray that they take the lead of Matthew and just in their own heart, get up and just say, you know what, I'm going to trust you, I'm going to follow you. I've tried this other, it's not done it, but, I'm, but I know enough about you, I've read about you, I've heard about you, and I believe you can, I'm going to follow you. If that's you this morning, just, just give your heart to the Lord and say, Lord, you know what? As Matthew followed you, I want to follow you. I want to follow you. Take my life and change it. It's time to celebrate, Lord, the change that you're going to make in my life. And Father, I pray that this morning that the message would be clear to all of, of others, of us that, that may uh, have walked with you for many years. Maybe sometimes we've walked with you so long that we've, we fail to remember the day you called us. And sometimes mercy can be replaced with a judgmental attitude because people just aren't doing it because Jesus just ain't doing it the way we thought he should. Forgive us if that's the case. Forgive us if that's the case. Because you're far more concerned with a merciful heart and a tender heart and a forgiving heart than you are with a religious activity or our sacrifices. Help us to learn the true meaning of the saying, God delights in mercy more 
than a religious exercise. And let us enjoy, not only enjoy, but let us celebrate too with all that you're doing and those around us. In Christ I pray.